Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 66 of Dead Man's Chest. You're already laughing. That's because I was going to say something snotty, sarcastic, but I didn't want to go there to start off the week. I actually resisted that urge to say something to you, and I then just decided to roll with the regular show. That's shocking. It is shocking. I've turned a new leaf. <laughs> just for today alone. Doesn't matter how long it is. <laughs> I have turned or the a new minute, leaf. probably. Yeah, if it's a minute, it's still progress. That's what matters, progress. <laughs> Especially because it's a new week. And then I'm ready to be amazed with an addition to my vocabulary. Like, my pirate vocabulary. Something I can hopefully use at work. Don't let me down now. Oh, man, you're shaking your head. Dang it, this is going to be a... I'm not sure this is work-worthy. Work-worthy? Okay. Well, it's Pirate Word of the Week. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two. Yarr! Rouse away. Rouse away? Rouse away. Rouse away? No, just rouse. Like wake him up? No. What? To pull away. Go ahead and pull. Pull hard. What in the blimey <laughs> is going on here? For one thing, like I said, arouse away. <laughs> no, rouse. I'm telling you, I think it's arouse because you're pulling and tugging. That's what Just I'm getting pulling and pulling hard. Hey. People like that. <laughs> it refers specifically to. We know what it refers to. <laughs> we know what it refers to. The pulling of a. Dot, dot, dot. Just kidding. A rope <laughs> or line without assistance of blocks, tackles, pulleys, rollers, or mechanical means. Rouse away. Rouse away. All right. For everybody else out there, let's kind of arouse away the minute and get <laughs> this thing going. Or did I use that right? Or rouse away. Rouse away. Uh, rouse away. Whatever it is. I keep hearing what I want to hear. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow gives us all a little something to think about. Really, a teaching moment for kids. It's good to influence the next generation. Fill them in on all the little secrets the previous generation learned so they can move forward without making the same mistakes. Those things we take for granted, like marriages worse than a hundred years of servitude upon the Flying Dutchman. Hey kids, run, dodge that bullet. Uh, the marriage bullet. Really? And damning 100 souls to a lifetime of pain in an attempt to save your own soul is... Hey, okay, kids. Stay tuned next week for more advice from Captain Jack Sparrow. Like I said, teaching moments for your yeah. kids. 
It's a Disney movie, right? Yes. Fishy Minute 66 begins with Davy Jones continuing to give Jack the Willies handshake as they seal the three-day deal for 100 souls in exchange for Jack's freedom. What are you laughing over there for? Nothing. All right. Jones says three days. He turns and walks away. The Dutchman crew join in three days in a bit of laughter. The minute ends with the captain of the Edinburgh Trader talking to the quartermaster and Bursar. Are we all to work for the East India Trading Company then? As he throws down a pile of fees, quartermaster chimes in after giving an uneasy look to Bursar. Bursar. Like I sweetened it up a little bit there. Bursar. Bursar. No, it's Bursar. I'm afraid, sir. Tortuga is the only free dot dot dot. Actually, Davy Jones is trying to walk away. But his tentacles have a mind of their own. Yeah, they're still... They are not rousing away. That's exactly it. Oh, they're rousing away. <laughs> Arousing away is what they're doing. Because this episode, you're right, has a bit of everything when it comes to my notes here. Yes, my notes don't really have, like, significant tangents in them. That just happens naturally, of course. Well, let me just read kind of your, your coffee mug to the group here first before we really get started. A coffee mug A filled with grog. But it says, world's greatest Barnaby Jones fan. And I see you're sporting the Buddy Epson t-shirt today. I don't even know who that is. I didn't even look him up. Hey, anyways, it's okay to be a Barnaby Jones fan. We're talking Davy Jones. They're like uh, kin. Kin folk. Beverly Hillbillies. I'm getting in the lingo there. Anyways, history, film commentary, character introductions, more safety violations. Spot a map to keep everyone engaged. And then even answering to the man. It's like a robust hodgepodge of an episode today that has to be like squished into 25 to 30 minutes. Speaking of squish, how about Jack's Jack's hand being slimed? Yeah, I know. What is going on with that? (laughs) It's pretty gross. That is gross. And then he wipes it on Gibbs, which is even more gross. Yeah, you shouldn't wipe your slime on people. No, it's very rude. It's pretty rude. Not just pretty rude, very rude. And Gibbs doesn't really do anything with that. No, he just kind of... I think he expects it, though. Yeah. They've been to Tortuga. There's slime there. They just uh, wipe it wherever they need to. Wow. What? Quite interesting. Just talk because they sleep with the pigs and things. Yeah, I know. They slobber. Yeah, that's all I'm talking about. I don't know where you're going. Quit arousing away. Let's just get this thing going. (laughs) Rouse away. Rouse away. We've been, like, dancing around this incredible CG special effects kind of deal. Okay, it's not really special effects, but CG effects. We'll call it that. With Davy Jones? Yeah. But we really haven't gotten into that entire process or the motion capture work that really kind of set that bar in 2006. But I think I'm still going to hold off for a bit. It's like a tease. I mean, we're going to find that time when we're like wandering around a minute with not much going on. Then we can tackle it. It's like we're going to put it in our chest, our lockbox. So tomorrow's minute. No, tomorrow's minute. I got a lot of notes. Wow, okay. I'm talking when it's dire. Like, absolutely dire. You know, when there's just like a minute of ocean looking. That kind of thing. But the reason I bring this up is because we do have like this behemoth of a character, Davy Jones, like sporting this fantastic, holds up to do, to do, holds up to today, to today, realism. Okay? Yeah. Then we have like a step backward on some background flying Dutchman crew hovering with Pintel and whoever else was back there. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they did the work. That maybe they figure because they weren't going to be front and center. That's but... what I'm thinking. I don't know. Because I'd venture to say they don't quite stand up, those guys. I know the CG work is good. Like, don't get me wrong on that. Yeah. 
But when we just have a crazy close-up of Jones that borders on perfection, and then we see some of his crew just not as crisp, if we yeah. want to call it that, definitely stands out. Yeah. So I'm not even sure how to completely describe it. It's like they're in the background and they are made to be like a bit fuzzy, perhaps. Yeah. There's more of an animated feel to them, too. And it's like the effort, like you were saying, maybe that's what it is. Like this effort and computing power was plugged into making Jones and... And on these two guys, they were just like under the gun. Like, we got to get this done. It's Friday. And then they just kind of did it. Yeah. Weren't really proud of it, but they did it. Yeah, I figured they're because they're not front and center. They're not focusing on those two. Yeah. That they're not. And it's a split. It's not lengthy. Right. But to be fair, they are in the background, like you're saying, at night. And the only just get like this quick run through of them. So it's not... Like, they're there front and center. And so I guess it's understandable. But it's going to be interesting to see them under different circumstances. And maybe then we can make a final judgment call. Yeah. Because it's not like it detracts from the film at all. It just caught my attention as I put my stink eye on the minute. (laughs) It's like when you have one minute to work with for each show, and then you watch it over and over, sometimes that stuff just starts to stand out. You're like, how come these guys are fuzzy? How come they look more like... Animated cartoon kind of deals, not Jones quality. I mean, since we do mention the two fuzzy sea creature men here, as Goritari and Ted described them originally, dudes merged with detritus. The one holding Pentel is called Kolenko. Kolenko. Kolenko Kolenko. That's what his name is. He's got a double name? Yeah. It's Kolenical Kolenko. (laughs) There, you get the hell out of here. All of a sudden, I was looking at like what the name was, and there's an I in there. And I'm like, wait, Kalinko? Kalinico? Klinko. No, I think it's Kalinico. Klinko, like the game. Klinko. You're talking Bob Barker, Price is Right? Yeah. Drew Carey, Price is Right? What century are we in? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You work for a living. That's right. There <laughs> you, you don't go. watch Price Hey, is don't right. tell me what I do during the day at work. I watch Price is Right every day at work. And I was wondering what was going on with this guy, though, as it looked like he had some large pointy scales or maybe some spines on him. But I never really made the connection that he is a part puffer fish, which afterwards oh. makes sense because hey, they have relaxed spines. Weren't we talking about being puffer fish? That's right, we were. Huh. And then Clinico pops up. I'm not sure I want to look like clinical. Clinical? <laughs> no, it's not clinical like the medical thing. Clinko. Not Clinko either. Clinico. Kalinico. Get the hell out of here. That's all I had to say, because now you've messed up my mind. His aquatic deformities appear on the light light side. See? I'm all into Star Wars right now. He's definitely not on the light side. on the dark side? Yeah. It's on the right side of his face. And his left shoulder and arm had been fused with the spines of a pufferfish and would inflate and deflate with his breathing. Huh. That's kind of what we were talking about. Yeah. We wish somebody had that. And now, boom, look it. There he is. There he is. His eye had transformed into a bloated fish eye that served him well when navigating by the stars. It's never good when you get Popeye as a fish. No, it's... it's I know they say bloated is described by him, but I think it's just a fish Popeye. eye. Because if you say bloated eye to somebody who owns fish and has had fish, when they say bloated eye, I'm thinking Popeye. Get that guy not some, good. Get that guy some medicine. Let's put some medicine in See, that tank. You need some antibiotics. That's right. You know, I had that fish, remember that, oh, I can't remember what kind it was, but I had a saltwater tank many, many, many years ago, and one of the fish I had got Popeye, 
And then that banded cat shark swam by him and ate his eye God, right that's off bad. Him. Ew, shiver me timbers. It was bad. I watched it happen. I was like that's horrified. Not good. He swam by. The eye was like protruding. So he uh, ate it out. That's Sucked not good it right at out. all. No, it wasn't good. God. Then the fish had no eye. He had one eye on the other side. But yeah, the banded cat shark ate his eye right off his God. face. There you go. That's rude. Talk about rude. It was. But then I was like, well, he did fix the problem he just didn't fix it properly he's like i'll help you <laughs> he just ripped it out but he didn't like really think about it yeah it's that poor fish God. lost his eye thanks for bringing brutality yeah, to the show today. i brought the show to a new low for yeah. monday i eating cat sharks back to Kalenico and not Clinko? i eating cat sharks he has holes and pock marks that cover the right hand side of his face accentuating his inhuman appearance. Hmm. His left hand was bloated. Another bloated problem here. Giving the appearance of a fin and his poncho appeared to be coated with, or maybe it like had been entirely comprised of seagrass. Oh, okay. Which seagrass is having some issues these days. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe so. In Southern California and stuff. Just natural seagrass in estuaries and things. Like even seagrass conservation too work warm. that's going on. Well, it helps with, the little fishes in the ecosystem. Yeah, but it's too warm. Is that why it's having problems? I don't remember. Why would you call me out on that right now? Because you mentioned it. I don't think that's Scary. what it was. Sea turtles are having problems because it's too warm. That's true. But this has been a long-standing issue for seagrass. And it has to do hmm. with maybe concentration. And I don't remember what the whole thing was. Aww. Yeah. I'm not a seagrass expert. I just remember coming across it a number of times. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. Now I got to look up seagrass. I got to look up seagrass. You're the one. I just said it was having issues. You're the one who wanted me to dive into the issue here. Issues. Anyways, because I'm getting this back on track. And I said tangents happen naturally, like seagrass naturally. And Kalenico was played by Clive Ashbourne in Dead Man's Chest. And then he comes back at At World's End. As the same character? Oh, as the same character. Not So I guess you know that he lives on to the next movie. There you there go. There are spoilers. Not really sure what Clive has been up to other than picking up a few parts here and there, according to IMDb. He has a 14, to be precise, Hmm. under his belt. There was a post-Pirates of the Caribbean movie short he appeared in that perhaps straddles the adult genre and superhero genre. Oh, really? It was called Sex Men, with the X in sex dash men. So it would be like X-Men, but they uh, tacked on an S-E in front of that. Huh. Yes, our favorite X-Men characters. In a short film called Sexman. Wow. But then when I actually researched further into this potential adult parody, turns out it was more of a comedy sketch short. And I was a little disappointed because I was really looking forward <laughs> to seeing some of the names that they had for some of the mutants. That's what you were looking forward to see? Yeah, that's what I was looking forward to seeing. <laughs> but instead, no, it was uh, the tagline. For mutants, abstinence is the best policy. Dot, dot, dot. Hmm. It's a short film. He was also credited in this film. And that's what got me to think an adult because he was actually credited not as Ashbourne, but Clive Cashbourne. Huh. Like he had a weird uh, porn yeah. guy name. Anyways, it wasn't a porn though. That's weird. And it had an estimated $500 budget. 500. 500. Wow. Yeah. Not 500,000. Just 500. 500. Wow. I'm getting in the movie making business. <laughs> <laughs> At least a shorts business. Yeah. It's probably just a comedy sketch, like a YouTube thing or something. I don't know. I didn't really get too much into it, though. The other crewman in the scene is known as Jimmy Legs. He has a case of the Jimmy Leg. Poor guy. Yeah, Jimmy's getting upset. Don't touch Jimmy! (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> it's always good. You know, when uh, Seinfeld makes a, an appearance. Anyways, Jimmy Legs had the face of a stonefish and a fin protruded from his back. His mouth was similar to that of a piranha and his right boot became fused to his leg. That ain't good. No, it's not good. Can't ever take your boot off. That wouldn't be comfortable. You're like, I wish I could just take this one. Yeah, you you need to take the shoes off. Imagine you got an itch down there. You're like, son of a... (laughs) Yeah. In combat, he preferred a cutlass with a large cup-shaped handguard. He commonly wielded a cat o' nine tails while aboard the Dutchman, described as inflicting punishment on crew who failed to fulfill his harsh orders. Such was his ferocity, he was known to cleave flesh from the bone with every lash of his whip. Jeez. That's the description of this guy. He sounds evil. Yeah, do you know what a cat of nine tails is? No. Then I'll leave it for you a to whip? look up. Uh, kind of. I'll just leave it for you. It's a like homework assignment for you and the audience. That's rude. Wait, you can't go to the internet now. I can't. It means you're going to bring everybody the information like you just knew it off the top of your head. Then I'm gonna, you're going to be like, hey, can you edit it so I can go, yeah, I did know what it was. If you looked it up, you got to tell everybody what it is then. You got to become the master of your domain. Thanks, Seinfeld. And I was right. But it's got multi-tail whip. There you go. That sounds evil. Jimmy Legs was portrayed by Christopher Adamson in Dead Man's Chest and at World's End. There you go. Comes back. He has a bit more acting street cred than Clive. Adamson has more than 60 film TV acting credits under his belt, too. And the one that caught my attention is the superb Count of Monte Cristo in 2002. Oh, really? Yeah, he portrayed Maurice. And I did the same thing you did. My eyes like went to the back of my head as I'm trying to go, who the hell was Maurice? Yeah. And of course, and here's the coup de gras, a part in Cutthroat Island, famed and failed pirate movie. He was Dog's Pirate. Yeah. Dog oh, with yeah, a- I remember A-W-G. Dog. And a few more character acting parts in films like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Fifth Element. I said Fifth Element. Damn it. It's the Fifth <laughs> Element. Shout out to the Fifth Element crew. Hey. They're completed, but you can check it out. It lives forever as a podcast. Fifth element. There you go. And, of course, The Three Musketeers from 1993-ish. I think that's the one that had, like, Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland in it. That kind of stuff. Hmm. And then, as per Seinfeld, Jimmy Legs, obviously, is a colloquialism used to reference to a sleep disorder where the patient moves limbs involuntarily during sleep and has symptoms or problems related to the movement. Jimmy legs. Jimmy legs. That's like when I kick you and I say I have the the Jimmy leg, but really I'm just kicking you. Yeah. And I blame it on the Jimmy legs. Now here's the part of the show everyone's been waiting for. Math. Nothing says good radio like arithmetic. What? You didn't even say that Jack's black spot's gone. You didn't mention that. You know, come on. You're right. I didn't. I didn't know that I had to. Why? I don't know. When he's... Do you want me to do the entire show? Then you're going to have to let me do... skipped over. I'm bringing what I like to bring. If you have something on that, then let's get it out. Did you even notice his black spot went away when he was slimed? Yeah, I did notice it. Yeah. So why do you feel unusual, though? Because he was slimed? I think because his debt was temporarily released. Oh, for three days. So he's not, like, in this debt to Davy Jones at this particular point. At the moment. Yeah. But then the three days is up, the black spot will That's come back. That's why the black spot be, went away. He'll be back in debt? Possibly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Quite interesting. So I think that stirred up some feelings. It aroused him. <laughs> feelings. Or aroused away. It aroused away his feelings. That's what I have to I say. See. What else you got? Do you mean aroused or roused away his feelings? Hey, I say what I like to say. 
<laughs> that I just wanted to. So you were, get you, you just on wanted the black to spot. you wanted to mention the black spot. Yeah. Okay. Now we got that answer. It's an important thing in here. I know it's important. But it went away, and so I was just like, okay, everybody saw that so it went away. it's not important, because it uh, went away. Uh, I don't know. So you don't think the whole discussion on why you think it went away. I'll tell you what really happened here. <laughs> I got ticked off with the math, okay? I'm telling you. You're, you're jumping into the math. You want to know what happened? This is what happened. Arithmetic. Here it is. It's right there. There's a dang error. I can't get my eyes off of it. <laughs> It's like a freaking virtual classroom here. Not that it's a tagline we want to advertise. Yeah, people would flock to listen to the show described as a virtual classroom. We know that. Listen up, students. This is why I didn't mention the black spot. Well, okay, this is good math, though. So it's like I traded in black spot for bad math, which is good for the show, I guess. Or bad math. I don't know. However you want to look at it. The East India Company. Okay, and this is why. Now, see, look, you got me all riled up. You got me aroused away or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Here's the problem. The movie isn't about the black spot. The movie is about the East India Company. The East India Company taking over the world. No, and the movie is about Davy Jones' no. heart. That, as, as of this minute, it's still about the East India Company, as far as I'm concerned. And that's the big picture, is the East India Company. Everything else nestles nicely into the East India Company. That's why I'm saying that. So okay. the East India Company like gives the bills to the Edinburgh trader kind of thing. Yeah. All those fees that were levied on the captain. And there's like this blatant math error. 7 plus 10 plus 8 plus 5. Reminds me of Clue when they're counting the bullets. <laughs> then I think we said this before on something else. But this is it. This is actually it. Anyway, 7 plus 10 plus 8 plus 5 equals 30. Not 32. Damn you, Beckett. They're trying to rip him off. Cheating the little guys out there. Yeah. Beckett. Seriously. The guy doesn't notice. Yeah. So I have a couple of hypotheses that pop up. Is it Murtaugh and Mulroy that are doing the math? No. It's possible. Because it, like the East India guy writing the bill just made a basic adding error. Okay. That's possible. Or he was just padding the East India Company's wallet by tacking on a couple of percentage points there. Believing many of the people weren't all that literate. Basically cheating the ships for more fees, possible. And maybe my last idea is the one that someone on the production crew messed up. I can see how this would happen, actually. Because they're changing the document, they're like editing it. Then they forgot to actually change the total while they were going through the other fees. But whatever it is, all the potential movie errors, a basic math on a set piece. Dang it, Disney. You're always supposed to check your math twice. That's what the teachers say. Maybe maybe that's not it. Maybe it is. The East India Trading Company knows that the captains may not have their adding skills. So why would you say maybe that's not it when I presented three potential hypotheses? Well, I was go- talking about the last one you presented. Not well, valid. I was just talking about the mess up one. Okay. I think it's that the they were cheating them, basically. Well, they figured the ship captains didn't. That's probably great at what adding, they were really and so doing. they they it cheated. It was probably them a tongue-in-cheek, subtle joke. Yeah, that only people would catch if they were doing paying a attention. Minute by minute breakdown <laughs> of the movie. There you go, because it goes by relatively quickly. Yeah, either that or somebody was well, just having a great time. You have to pause it to actually see it. You don't have to pause it. You have to open your eyes. Then you can. Oh, I mean, if you want to go through the list, yeah, it helps to pause it. But it's not like I didn't see papers right there. 
Well, I understand you've seen papers there. <laughs> Whatever. Since we were talking basic math errors aboard the Edinburgh Trader, there is another blatant safety alert happening here. I don't know if you caught it. The fire on the deck? Yeah. Well, not on the deck. We're this. Oh, hey, sorry. What are you spoiling it for everybody? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Because I'm getting the feeling that having as many candles as possible on a ship was a standard operating procedure here at the time, especially when you have a desk full of paper. Hey, it's a good thing paper is fire resistant. Exactly. No, this is specially treated wax paper. I'm sure it is. That's what they think. Because that's how they treat it. I mean, obviously, this is why fires ran rampant in the days of past. Everyone had open flames. Yeah. Come on, man. Can't have all these papers everywhere with open flames. Open flames, not good. Yeah. Couple of other observations. I like the use of the stationary camera on the rocking ship set here. Mm, yeah. Gives the motion of the ocean feel. Arouse away. Motion of the ocean. Makes for a nice, gentle touch of reality. Especially when Captain Bellamy is talking with Quartermaster Bursar. Or Burser about the evil East India Company. Because what's interesting is that Bellamy does say East India Trading Company, though. Yeah. Doesn't say East India Company. And I think that's how most of us have heard the company before, though. Even though officially maybe known as the East India Company. Yeah. It's kind of been introduced to us just in life as the East India Trading Company. Is it not? Yep. So shaking your head doesn't do anything for the people out there. <laughs> they can't see that? No. Oh. Basically, like, Bellamy is a little pissed at all the fees. He's being soaked on his products and his deliveries, all that stuff. 32 or 30%, whatever it is. He'd actually probably come unglued if he realized the total fee percent was wrong. And then Bellamy would really realize he hates the man. Of course he would. It's like poor Cutler Beckett. Because he's already angry that they have all these fees. And then on top of it, they calculated it incorrectly. Yeah. He'd be livid. That's what I'm saying. And then uh, we would just see Beckett not being too popular. Because I think he needs to rethink his customer service now. <laughs> his approach to people. Because I'd venture to say locking up people on their wedding day is not the best way to win them over. Probably not. Or cheating them on their fees. No, that wouldn't work either. Yeah, exactly. There was something on uh, Captain Bellamy's desk that caught my attention as well. What's of that? all the stuff on there besides the open flame and all the kindling there. <laughs> let me just, let me give you a hint. This is actually a riddle from the Middle Ages. My mother abandoned me. I was found by a man who then cut off my head, scooped out my heart, and gave me something to drink. Then I began speaking. What am I? This is like the Perseus moment in the 81 Clash of the Titans to marry and, well, well who was it? Andromeda? Speaking to Andromeda? Oh, dang it. Can't think of her name. Damn it. Oh, well, anyways. No, I really wish I hadn't dropped that uh, reference. <laughs> Perseus comes in to get her hand... Ah, oh, can't think of it. Anyways, it's going to drive me nuts now. Shoot. Anyways, okay. Anyway, I don't know what it is. It's a quill pen. Oh. You went to dark when it was just a pen. <laughs> quill pens date back to the dark ages when bird feathers replaced the hollow reeds the Romans used. To make a quill pen, you first had to catch your bird, obviously. Goose feathers were favored, and swan quills were the best, but who... Who would really want to approach an angry swan to get a feather? Geese are bad enough. Swan are even bigger. I know. That's what I'm saying. No, I'll pass. Crow feathers, it is said, were unbeatable for drawing fine lines. Oh, really? Yeah. Thomas Jefferson bred special geese to keep himself in writing implements. Wow. Because of their shape, only the five feathers at the tip of the left wing would do. And left-handers could use feathers from the right wing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
That's weird. That is weird. That's they, what I they thought. They would be the same, right? Obviously not. Obviously that's, not. That's strange. We got to get us some quill pens here to take a look. Oh. And it was best to pull them in the spring. And then the trick was to bury the feathers in hot, dry sand to harden the points. And then after which it was time to cut the tip with what they had called a pen knife. So there's actually a special pen knife used to make your quill pens. Really? Yeah. And so the better the cut, the finer the script. And after a couple of ink spattered pages, it was time to retrim the nib, is what they called it. So you don't just use a pair of scissors. Skizzers. No, you don't. If you were lucky, your quill might last a week. That's that was it? it? That was it. Small wonder Britain imported 27 million quills a year from Russia alone. Jeez. Yeah. And for almost 1,500 years, people used quill pens to write letters. By the middle of the 19th century, however, steel nibs were well on their way to ousting the trusty quill. Huh. Then in the 20th century, obviously, along came the fountain pen, the ballpoint pen, the fiber point, the rollerball, the gel point, the sharpie. Need I go on? No. What about the pencil? This episode brought to you by Bic. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, we brought pencil we history before. Pencil. I had to bring in the trusty pen. Yes. So that's all I got. That's it? That's it. Wow. Yeah. Told you. There's history. There's math. There's all kinds of stuff movie in this stuff. Minute. Yeah. Somebody tried to... TV show stuff? Hijack things. Yeah, what the hell was her name? I can't think. It's not a TV show. It's a movie, but I'm really a little irritated at that. Shoot. You also talked about Seinfeld. That's TV I show. I did. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got, though. Okay. We'll Good. be back on Wednesday with Minute 67 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. There we go. Just a standard outro. No special effects? No special effects. Just standard outro. It's going to roll right to uh, our pirate music. There we go. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means, give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... 
That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.